in Matthew 13, this goes into the parable of the seeds. And of course, the seed is the word, right? The seed is the word. And, and of course, that seed, when, when it talks about the seed of the word, we can see very, very clearly that that's Christ and the type in, in John 1 verse 14. He, he's the word made flesh, the seed that came down in, in uh, John 3 verse 27 from heaven. He's the seed of the woman. When you tie all these things together in Genesis 3 and verse 15, he would be that one that would, that would crush the head of the serpent on Calvary and his heel, his humanity would be bruised. And we see that truth. Again, it's, that's brought out in Isaiah 53 and those first six verses there. And, but also what it accomplished when, by the time in Isaiah 53 you get to the, to the 12th verse and we can see the fullness of that. But in, John, in Matthew 13, it talks about the parable of the seeds and you can see what happens in each of these things and, and where they land and what is done with them. We can see this. So, by the time we get, and this is a parable. You see that in 13.3 of Matthew, it's a parable. And he's speaking, he's speaking truth there through this parable. And here's the reason why in verse 10 of Matthew 13. And it says here, And the disciples came to him and said unto him, Why do you speak to them unto them in parables? Why do you do that? What is the purpose for that? Now remember, this is kingdom teaching. He's, he's teaching the Jews, and he's facing the legalistic crowd, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Essenes, all who hated each other independently of each other, but became one when Christ came, when God put on humanity and came and faced them. They all united in their hatred of him. He said, why do you do that? Why do you speak to them? Those are the them that he's talking to. And he answered in verse 11 of Matthew 13, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now remember the kingdom of heaven has to do with God's rule on the earth. The difference between the kingdom of God is that that he rules in all eternity in Isaiah 57 verse 15. He inhabits eternity in terms of being in control no matter what. He's in control. So the kingdom of God is everywhere. <laughs> but the kingdom of heaven is his rule on the earth, and that's the difference. But here, so he's dealing with the Jews, and he's teaching kingdom truth, but we can gather all kinds of beautiful truths about it. So what we see here, it says, because it is given unto you, in 1311, it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Why? They refused it. They refused the king, the king himself. In John 1, 11, he came unto his own, and his own rejected him. So therefore, he couldn't give to them what was to be for them when they rejected him because he won't violate anyone's free will. He just won't do that prior in, in, in and of course, having to do with that will. He will not violate the will. Now, verse 13 says, For whosoever has, to him will be given. Notice that? To him that has, to him will be given, and he will have more abundance. And of course, that's Christ in John 10, 10. He's the abundant life. And, and 
we all have our individual life, which is brought out again for, and, and will be revealed for all eternity in a depth of fellowship in Revelations 2 and verse 17. We all have that. So that abundant life in John 10, 10a is the life that each individual has. That's their own particular personal intimate image that they have. So, and it's the reflection of his image in Hebrews 1 and verse 3. But what we see here is that very beautifully here is the abundant life in John 10, 10, that uh, uh, the B part is that life that we'll have together. But it's based upon each individual life. And again, that is the, the epistle to Ephesians that brings that out so beautifully. Of course, of what they knew nothing of in, 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 in the kingdom teaching. They knew nothing of this at all. And that's why you can't take anything in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and in those synoptics, those three Gospels, and a good portion of, of the, uh, the Gospel of John and bring it over into church truth. Because then there's all kinds of confusion in uh, and, and 1 Corinthians 14.33. So knowing the difference between the, he- the church, the heavenly church, and then the kingdom of heaven on earth, millennial reign having to do with the Jews. It's a big difference. And when you try and put the two together, this is where you get all this confusion. Now there's plenty that we can, we can glean from this truth, and that's what God would have us to do this morning. So again... It says, for whosoever has, to him will be given, and he will have more abundance. But whosoever has not. So that more abundance, we know, is each of us as a joint in the church age. We become that supply for each other in Ephesians 4 and verse 16. That's the abundant life. Supernatural abundant life. So, we see this, that that. And he will, to him whoever has, to him will be given, and he that has will have more abundance. But whosoever has not from him will be taken away, even that that he has. Because obviously, what, what does that have to do with? And of course, that has to do with the will. Now, verse 13, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing hear not, neither do they understand, because they don't want to. This is bringing out and referring to, we can see very clearly in Isaiah the 6th chapter. And you can see that in those first 10, 11 verses. They don't understand because they, they refuse Christ. Now verse 14 it says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. This is what's bringing it out, Isaiah the 6th chapter saying, by hearing, you will hear and will not understand. Very selective hearing, right? And seeing, you will see and will not perceive. Now, this is the reason why. This could be the reason why even Christians in this dispensation of grace, the church age, have all this truth, but they don't they don't understand or see or hear even what is theirs. For the, and the reason is, is that's the flesh that it can be in us and it is in us until we go see Christ face to face, regardless of how some would teach the opposite of that. Romans 8, 9, we have the flesh in us, but we're not of it. For this people's heart, their mind and their emotions, based upon the hardness of their will, is waxed gross, thick, 
and their ears are dull of hearing, and their and their eyes have been closed. Now, for this, for us to understand this, in our, in our church age, in this dispensation of grace, the church age, this brings into 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, and brings in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. But here, he's still speaking to these Jews, the legalistic crowd, crowd that constantly rejected him, and we'll do the same when we function in the flesh, even though he doesn't reject us, positionally, but he can't fellowship with us when we function in the flesh. But here he said, this people's heart, their mind and emotions is waxed gross, thick and dull, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed. They have closed. Listen, their eyes, they have closed. They've closed their will from seeing properly. They refuse him. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But why do they not do this when in John 3 verse 16 through 21 brings out clearly he didn't, you know, for God so loved the whole world, every human being, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. He didn't come into the world in 3.17 of John to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. But we see the class of those that refuse, refuse the darkness. They would rather have the darkness rather than the light. And this is what this is bringing out here. Lest they should be con converted and I should heal them. Now here's the verse that we want to see that God is bringing us to here. But, but, and you know the but here is, is a contrasting conjunction. There are those that refuse and those that do have blessed eyes that see and ears that hear. That's the contrast, and the conjunction separates the two. Just like we have been positionally separated from the old nature, we have. But when we don't depend upon him through faith, obedience, through grace, and being humbled, then the flesh becomes active in us again. But what we see here is, he says, but blessed are your eyes for they see, and your ears for they hear. They submit. So when your eyes see and realize truth, then you submit. Your hearing submits. And of course, that brings into the reality of having pastors and teachers, right pastors and teachers, and face-to-face -face teaching. That's brought out in Romans, the 10th chapter, in verses 14 through 17. Faith, in verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that speaks of specific truths and messages that are revealed to us that have to do with our position in Christ. For verily, in verse 17 of Matthew 13, For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear things which you hear, and have not heard them. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. And then he goes into all those different parables and things that can happen to us. But, we know that the good ground, and again, this was brought out in Luke, the 8th chapter. You can see that in those first 15 verses down right through to the 20s, and where Christ talks about his, his, who are his mother and his brethren in that Luke 8th chapter, are those that hear and receive the word and experience him. They experience him in their own individuality and a proper image.
But he said, blessed are your eyes for they see. Now, when this thing became about eyes, instantly God brought it to my mind, my own, me, my own personal eyes. And so what can happen and what has happened is even years ago, the even reason that I needed glasses was to have a proper focus so that I could see clearly. Because the thing that was getting in the way of a proper view, in this sense, proper images, so that they're not, not fuzzy, and, and, but they can be brought into a clear picture, what happens in the eye, the physical eye, is what is called an astigmatism. An astigmatism. And what is an astigmatism, even in our eye, and brought into a spiritual sense? This is what it is. And I looked up astigmatism. Look, listen to what it is. It's a refractive error. Notice it's a refractive error of the eye in which parallel rays of light from an external source. Think about that. About how the enemy with the believer tries to get in as an angel of light, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, to, re, to bring in a refractive error so they don't have a proper image. And it's from an external source. In other words, it doesn't have anything to do with who we are in Christ. In Ephesians, the epistle to Ephesians, and also brought out in areas in the epistle to Colossians. And there's an external source. So what do we see? What do we see? It affects us. Now, and it's affecting us. And the way that it affects us, it is what? It's an aberration of a lens or other optical system. Think about that. Eh? An astigmatism. Again, an astigmatism is a refractive error of the eye of which parallel rays of light come from an external source, and what is it? What is it? That astigmatism, that refractive error, okay, does not allow the eye to converge on a single point. And that's what Jesus was teaching. He said in Matthew 6 and verse 22, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. Not false light, but the light that Christ is reflecting you and who your true image is in him. So that light, at that refractive error, error that refractive error keeps through these parallel things, taking us aside through the angel of light, this light, so that we don't converge that single uh, viewpoint doesn't converge on a single point. It's the retina on that retina. Now, what is it? It's an aberration of a lens or other optical system in which the image, listen to this, the image of a point is spread out. You just lose your vision. You lose it. Right? Now, what we know about this and what we can understand about this is this, is that the axis of 
that system. What is an axis? So when we talk, we're talking about this now, the I and so forth, when we're talking about that, we're talking about an axis. And what is an axis? What is the, as an axis? An axis is, is all reality only turns on a proper axis. Only. Who is our reality? Who is reality? Who is truth? In John 19 and verse 9, it's Christ himself. That's who he is. Christ himself. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, again, the axis. It is the line, the line, about which a rotating body such as the earth turns. I want us to think about this. I mean, who created everything? In John 1, I, and, excuse me, in Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. Who created everything? It is Christ. Who's the axis of every single thing? The one point is Christ himself. He created everything in John 1, 3, in Colossians 1, and verse 16. He is the line, and no wonder it says in Psalm 16, 6, the lines have fallen out unto me in a pleasant place. And it reveals to me, oh, I have such a goodly heritage. And then when I take in this proper teaching, which is extremely necessary on a continual basis, then, then my sleep, my reigns when I sleep, instruct me in the night seasons in verse 7 of Psalm 16. And then he, we, we see how in Psalm 127, 2 and 3, he gives his beloved sleep, rest, because we're resting in the son of his love, the axis point. So when we see this, it, it, it's literally this. Listen. The axis point is the line about which, again, a rotating body such as the earth turns. Why does it do what it does? Well, because he who created it, in Hebrews 1.3, in Hebrews 11.3, sustains it as that very axis point. The earth functions on an axis, a tilt of five degrees. Because <laughs> our creator created it that way. He created everything, the one that did put on humanity in John 1 and verse 14 to redeem us in Hebrews 1 and verse 4. It's just amazing when we think about this. Now, even in mathematics, even in mathematics, listen to what that an axis is. It's a central line that bisects a two-dimensional body or figure. It is a line about which a three-dimensional body, listen to this, everything about the Creator, Christ, is revealing the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who all were operating in and through Christ's humanity the whole time He walked the earth. Just amazing when we think about it. We're created in His image. Spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, created in his image in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Even in math, it's a three-dimensional body or figure, and it is symmetrical. It's perfect in its symmetry. And this is the image that we have in Christ, created in him. 
God the Father planned it, the Son executed it, and we live in the power of it and experience it through God the Holy Spirit who takes the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14 and shows them unto us. We see this in all of its beauty. Now, even in anatomy, let's think about anatomy, and we're just breezing over these things this morning. Even in anatomy, what is the axis point in anatomy? It is a central or principal structure about which something turns or is arranged. It is the skeletal axis. <laughs> Everything about us, our own creation, our own physical human bodies, math, all of creation, Everything is revealing God's access point, his son. Everything. And no wonder in Colossians 3.11, he is all and in all. He's in all, even those that would reject him and hate him. My God. My God. That's that skeletal axis. The second, the B part of it is, the second cervical vertebrae. I mean, everything about the creation of the human body is revealing the creator. Everything about it. No wonder the enemy wants to cause the astigmatism to come into the eye, the view of a proper image. We can see it clearly. Even in botany, plant life. <laughs> no, listen, no wonder... All creation speaks a language for everyone to hear in Psalm 19, 1 through 6, to bring them to the place of 7 through 14 in that psalm. You see it very, very clearly there. But even in botany, it is the longitudinal support, foundation on which organs are part are arranged. It's just amazing. The stem and the root the stem and the root, everything about it. There's a stem, there's an axis point, there's a root. Everything about it, everything about these things, the human eye, the human body, math, everything, math, everything is bringing out the reality of Christ. It is bringing out proper image and he's teaching us through it all. Through every single bit of it, even there, we see, even in botany, it's such an amazing thing when we see it. It is the central line, the axis point. Now, remember, what's the axis? It's on that everything that's created turns, exists, and functions. That's the axis. And who is it? The creator. The creator. And so when we see that, we know it's the central line of any body, anything that's created. Now, even in this, even in analytic geometry, analytic geometry, it's, this is what it is. It's any line used as a fixed reference in conjunction with one or more other references for determining the position God, of a point or of a series of points forming a, forming a curve or a surface. Think about this. I mean in everything, analytic geometry, anatomy, botany, math, I mean you name it, it all is revealing God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
every single bit of it. And then in even, and <laughs> crystallography, and this is what crystallography is. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's, it has to do with that axis point again. And it, what is that? It's one of the imaginary reference lines passing through the center of an ideal crystal, crystal designated as certain points like A, B, and C. All, listen, all this is saying is very simply, it's not, that, it's not that complicated. It's just bringing out the fact that everything that is as a result of him, everything, every single thing. And Christ himself, who did all this, who created everything, and the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, God, and some would say, God the Father is the planner, Christ the Son is the executor of it, and, and God the Holy Spirit is the one that makes it a living reality. But <laughs> they're all one, even individual, but they're all doing all of this in each other. God, all of them. And so, even in aeronautics, let's look at aeronautics. Aeronautics, any one of three lines, isn't that interesting? Any one of three lines defining the attitude or the altitude, altitude of an airplane, one being generally determined by the direction of forward motion and the other two at right angles to it and to each other. <laughs> I mean, all this is saying is, and bringing it out in the most marvelous, and all this came from God said, okay, I, you see this in Matthew 13, 15? But blessed are your eyes, for you see my son everywhere. But until you see him in yourself, the image above who you truly are, you won't see him in anything else, and nothing else will even matter. It won't matter, but when you do, you will see him in everything because he is everything. He is everything. Even in, uh, listen, even in so-called fine arts. <laughs> of course, we know what happens with that and what Satan does with that. But even in fine arts, it's an imaginary line in a formal structure about a form, area, or plane that is organized. See, God does all things. In 1 Corinthians 14, 40, decently and in order. That order is his son. God the, God the Father's never done a thing outside the Son. The Son's never done a thing outside the Father. And the Holy Spirit proceeds from both, and they are all one. Every single one of them. They are all one. It's also an alliance of two or more nations to coordinate their foreign and military policies, and to draw in with them a group of dependent or supporting powers. It's a principal line of development, movement, and direction. And the enemy, as far as our image, once, you are, once you're born again, okay, he can't stop you from being born again, but to experience all of that, all of that that's in you, he wants to cause an astigmatism in, your, in, your, in the view of how you see things so you don't see them properly. This is where all your legalistic 
preaching and teaching come from. It's where the flesh becomes active. It's where all this comparing in 2 Corinthians 10, 12 comes into play. It's, the, it's this lack of forgiveness in 2 Corinthians 2, 10, 11, and 12. It's all of that, you see, because that there can be no intimacy in an experiential, an experiential uh, precious image without forgiveness. And even forgiveness is the operation of God's love to bring us back to intimacy again. But the access point is Christ himself in Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Be kind to one another and forgive one another, even as, as God through Christ has already forgiven you. This all, but what happens, what happens then, what is the astigmatism for the Christian? It's no teaching, it's a lack of teaching, or it's evil teaching, or it's being seduced in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, by doctrines of demons. Is legalism a doctrine of a demon? Yes, it doesn't come from Christ. Why did God even give the law? First, who did he give it to? What people group? The Jews. Again, because in Exodus 19 and verse 8, in Exodus 24 and verse 3, they said, tell us what to do and we'll do it. Yeah, through what eyesight? Through what image will you do so? The image of the lying father in John 8, verse 44. Astigmatism. And again, that astigmatism becomes a refractive error. Led away by the error of the evil one. Again, that's 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. It goes into a wrong form. No proper image, no proper form. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. Because you're led away by evil men that, that keep getting worse and worse in that false lying teaching in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12 and 13. But soon it will be no more. But again, remember, and as I remember with you, this astigmatism. Blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes for they see. Because all legalism will do, legalism, we've said before, if legalism is taught and received, the flesh has to be tolerated. It just does. And what is the flesh? At some point, you, you really, you're, got, you're going to be brought to the point where you really believe that God is hard. You see that in Luke 19 and verse 21. Austere, austeros. You think he's rough, he's hard. When it's really... And, and what happens? It's a hardening of the eye. It's a hardening of the view through an astigmatism. It's a refractive error of which those rays of light are no longer pure. They become undefinable and thereby the proper image experientially, never positionally, is lost. But you know, God knows us in Christ. He never, listen, as far as God's eyes concern, his view is very crystal clear because he sees each of us in our own individuality in the image that Christ is in us individually. That's why it says in Job 36 and verse 7, he never removes his eye from the righteous. And you and I are the little man of his eye in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 10, in Psalm 17 and verse 8, in Zechariah 2 and verse 8. We are that little man, that proper image, through he sees us through Christ. And not, and he, that's all the teaching is, is to bring us back, is to remove the astigmatisms from the enemy, all the errors that get in the way of a proper view about who we are 
in Christ. See, in every single one of these things, every one of them, we've got to have a proper access point, which is Christ, which is proper image, proper having God's view of us in Christ. We need to have that. And Christ, he, he's the access point of everything, is he not? Well, Colossians 1 and verse 16 says, all things were created by him and for him. He's the access point. He's it. The line about which everything has its being. Nothing was created in John 1, 3 that didn't have its start in him. And everything about this life, this earth, everything here, we're learning. Every single thing we're learning about it. Light, water, plant life, us. How are we doing without light, without water? Who's the access point of everything? And that's Jesus Christ. That is him himself. And boy, I tell you what, when we have proper eyesight and we, we have it, we see clearly. We see clearly. And then, and we'll close with this. And when we do, this is even for us as believers in Christ. And as believers. Here it says in Ephesians a 4 and verse 17, it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk, unsaved people, in the vanity of their mind through a bad eyesight, through an astigmatism. Having the understanding darkened, can't see properly, light doesn't enter in through a hardening of the eye. Being alienated, a non-participator, from the life of God through the ignorance, there's the astigmatism, the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness, and blindness here is hardness, hardness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto all, unto what? Lasciviousness. It's all these lies and all this teaching that's not of Christ. To work all uncleanness and greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. Why? Because blessed are your eyes, for they see. And when they do, you hear and submit properly and experience life in you as an individual, in John 10, 10, B, but then you experience in an in abundance, hopefully, hopefully, Father, and I do pray, in our local assembly and in every local assembly where Christ, his name, his, he, the axis of everything, he, in Matthew 18, 20, we're two or three, yes, two or three, that's what it's coming down to, folks. Two or three are gathered together in his name, his person, his, he's the axis point. His, and what he's accomplished, there he is in the midst for all of us to gaze and that's what they said in John 1 and verse 14. And that's brought out in John and 1 John 1, 1 through 4. He said in John 1 and verse 14, the word, the word was made flesh. He was, is the word, but was made flesh. Man, the son of God becoming the son of man in one, thereby removing all distance and clearing up proper view. And he dwelt among us, right? He dwelt among us. And we gazed upon him, the glory. So he, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Why? 
because he was showing us, removing these astigmatisms so that our eyes could see the depth of God's love that he would give us his son so that we could have a proper image and thereby glorify him, give him all the glory so that we would experience the blessing because we have that treasure, that access, that one, that one and only in these fragile clay jars that that excelling power and glory may be of God, but not of us having to do. It's in us as a vessel, but it certainly isn't of us to all his glory. And Father, just for this brief time this morning, oh God, you can only make these truths new, new to us. You can only, the Holy Spirit can only bring them back so that we can hear, see and hear properly. And you will continue to do so because faithful is, 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 are you who called us who will also do it. In First Thessalonians 5 and verse 24, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.